0: Alex is one of the co-founders and head of revenue at ReachDesk, one of the fastest growing software as a service companies in Europe. Alex has spent the last 10 years working in tech and has helped companies scale from early stage startups to award-winning businesses. Um, His passion is helping sales and marketing teams think differently about how to break through the noise and create relationships that drive revenue. Alex,
1: welcome to the show, mate. How are you doing? Hey, Sam. Yeah, I'm really well, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's a real joy to be on, on, on this. Uh, I've watched so many of them in the past, so it's great to be on. Awesome, dude.
0: So there's plenty we'd love to go through with your good self today. Um, we want to learn your top business growth tips, some of the digital marketing strategies that have helped your business grow and that you recommend to everyone tuning in today. Um, but First and foremost, it'd be great and interesting to learn your story. So ever since you left school, where you grew up, some of the key businesses you've been involved in, and some of the lessons that you learned up to founding ReachDesk, if you kind of guide us through your, your journey, the key events, and what you've learned so far, my friend.
1: Yeah, sure. All right, let's start, let's start from the very beginning then. So I was, I was actually born in Bristol, uh, okay. a uh places. Um, but my, so my dad was in the army, right? So I've been shipped around the world. I've lived in Hong Kong, Cyprus, Germany, uh, Brunei. Like I've kind of been dragged around the world a little bit. So I've seen... I've seen that side of things. Um, yeah, I kind of just went through school and then ended up at, at uni. And for some reason, I still don't know why, it was, people thought it was a good idea to recommend that I go into law. So uh, right, okay. so, 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 I so I studied law and French at uni at, at Newcastle. Um, and I, I'd always felt quite passionately about uh, being being a lawyer. Again, I, I'm not really not, not sure where it came from. It was quite argumentative hate losing, um, quite a competitive guy. Um, Got it. Okay. but yeah, so, so I, I did that at uni and my problem is that I try and push myself too much. So I did a law degree alongside a French degree whilst being in like the rowing team, which is like 5am starts, evening sessions, oh, uh, so wow. trained so full twice on. a day, every day, weekends too. So kind of never, never had a breather. Um, so that was kind of uni really. Um, and it was interesting when, when, when I was kind of, in my final year at uni, I was trying to work out what I'm going to do next. started interviewing at law firms and stuff and just didn't sit right with me. I didn't, I didn't like the vibe. It didn't really, it didn't attract me anymore. So I'd kind of gone through okay. this, this whole process and I basically fell into technology by accident.
0: Ah, I see. All right. This
1: was, this was during, this is actually during like essentially the recession, this was 2009. Um, yeah. It was really hard to get a job. And um, so I thought, have, let's just move to London, see, see, see what's going on. And by accident, I fell into a small tech startup. There were a couple of people. Uh, it was a business called uh, Deezer, so a music streaming service. Oh, and, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, there were, there were four of us in a room. Uh, there was a team in France as well. We were part of the launch team. There was kind of no agenda. Like, I, I was just kind of getting involved in the business. And yep. within a month, I was just hooked on it. It was the best, dec- best decision, but almost, almost, uh, best mistake I ever made by so not what, not going into law.
0: So, what did they um, bring you in as Alex? Was it a sales rep or
1: No, I, I, was, so- I was, I was, there to do whatever. Like, we, okay, it, this Jack of like all pure, trades, Jack of all trades, like, pure startup mode, right? There, there, there was, there, there was an agenda, but it was like we just need your help building something. This is the days when Spotify, Deezer, even like Napster. We're kind of yeah, like yeah. really, really early stages. Uh, and and they huge you know, now, right, Disa? Yeah, well, I think about two years later, they would raise about 200 million. There were sort of hundreds and hundreds of us. Seeing the company go from like, a tiny little team to like huge scale, global, um, yeah, millions and millions of subscribers. And I just saw like, what, what it takes to actually grow a business from nothing to like a, a huge multinational business but whilst maintaining its culture and it was it was awesome
0: that does sound awesome so you were doing law in uni you didn't actually realize you went to bristol that's only down the road from where we are in yeovil um, bristol's a place i love we, we tend to get our team go there quite a lot for um, meetings and nights out every now and then it's got such a good buzz to it love the place we've got a few friends that work there as well web developers so that's cool um, so how come you decided to put a pause on law then? Did you just think it was not
1: right for you and you wanted to try something different or was it a short-term thing that you thought at the time? It, it was very much a short-term thing at the time. Um, and then when I, when I was at Deezer and we kind of grew to that level, you know, yep. the, hard part, the hard part with being part of like fast-growing um, startups is they often reach a point where you know, the reasons why you joined change. Um, so I kind of, you know, I I rethought things a little bit and actually I decided to kind of give law a shot, but like more like media entertainment, uh, those sort of things. So I was working with a lot of, um, a lot of startups, a lot of guys in the entertainment business, but again, I I qualified as a lawyer and and just, just, just missed the startup bug more than anything. It was less about sales initially. And I kind of accidentally fell into a sales role you know the, the role I'd done at, at Adisa was a bit different, but I fell into sales by accident and immediately just thought i i found what i want to focus my career on now i want I want to like help elevate the sales profession but I, I want to like really take it seriously as a's, as a, as a full time career um so yeah, I did that at a company called uh, Yieldify, and like early stage startup one of the first employees grew it um to to a really good rate moved on to another business called Agilic. Mm-hmm. so i brought gone
0: Okay, just before we get to that, Alex, it would be interesting to know, because you said um, D's are built up quite a bit to, to a high level and then the next company um, where you were more of a sales rep built up. So how were you able to build those companies up? Could you share a bit more into the steps that were taken and some of the strategies you guys used?
1: Obviously, we've only yeah. got a bit
0: of time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look, it's, shall we can?
1: It's, it's a good question, right? At the beginning of a startup, there's just so much hustle. There's very little, it's like, it's like organized chaos, right? So what, what what I've learned particularly this time around is that you've, you've got to set yourself like really clear goals. We didn't really have that first time around. It was very much like product led. Whereas if you want to build a, a really good business, you need to all sit and hold yourselves accountable. Like the founding members are really key, but your first employees are really key. You all, you all need to know which lane you're swimming in, Like right? You need to know what, you, what your roles are, but ultimately where you're getting to. When you go swimming, you're all going to the same end each time um so when you have those clear goals you can really set things up so that you know where you're going and and share that same vision with your founding members um you know with the leadership team so the first thing is like really set yourself goals but don't set yourself up to fail equally don't undersell yourself you've got to always stretch and and make sure that you're working towards something that is achievable but you're not going to take everything off
0: got it Okay. So setting clear goals. Cool. Um, all right. So you you left these and then you went back, finished the law side of things off, but then decided you wanted to get back into business and sales and it wasn't for you, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was my, my problem is I don't like rules too much and and, and law was, is one big rule book. Um, and I I didn't like firstly sitting in in my own office with a secretary, um, you know, doing things for me. Uh, I, there were so many things I didn't like about it. I wanted to be back in the trenches. I wanted to be on the floor, helping to create a business. Like that's, that's why I, I love the most is creating something which has a common goal with a lot of other people. In law, it's very much about you and, and what you have to do for your for your client. And that's about it. And I didn't really like that too much. So it. It, it, it was just so clear for me to, to kind of get back into, into into tech. And for those people who have to rethink their careers, which a lot of us do, I basically just wrote down a list of all the things I wanted and then approached a load of businesses that that, that, that met those criteria.
0: Okay, nice. All right. That makes sense. So then you went, went back into a company. Can you remind me of the name of the next co you went to Alex? I forgot what you said. Yeah.
1: So, so it was a business called a um, Danish tech company. Uh, so I launched the London office from, so they'd done really well market leader in the Nordics. Um, Sweet. and like brought it over from Denmark and I learned a lot of things from that business because, you have to appreciate that when you when you're doing things on a global scale cultures even though we're only you know, a couple of thousand miles apart um cultures differ so much and you have to be able to adapt really quickly when you when you're taking one business from one t- country that's doing really well to another where you have a fresh start um my advice to everyone who's doing that is to make sure that the part of the team that has had the success in that home territory goes over there with you there's no point in just trying to find a whole new team with really good shiny polished CVs and expect them to execute on it. They need to understand what's actually pushed the business forward in the first place. And yes. to be able to communicate that back to head office because it's not always the same. Got it. Okay. So how long you were, were you with that co, Alex? That was about two years. And then um then that, that led me into into where I are out at Reach Awesome. All right.
0: So, yeah, tell us a bit more about how ReachDesk came about. I appreciate you're the co-founder. And when was the moment that you decided you want to start as something for yourself and how did that come about?
1: Yeah, so well, I'd worked with a couple of guys at Yieldify and they actually presented the initial idea. Said that we've got this idea for something. Um, it's basically like it started as like a gifting platform, sort of e-gift cards, those sort of things. I'd been running a lot of like account-based marketing programs, um, led a a team of SDRs who had to break through to net new prospects. One of the things that we found worked the best was actually sending physical mail. Okay. Sending personalized gifts and, and contextual contextually relevant ways that that actually land on someone's desk elevated everything that we did. It elevated the digital channel engagement. We were getting through our ad strategy and, and the emails that were being sent it. It created a way more compelling call to action when you pick up the phone and you have a conversation with someone because it, it, it removes those cold calls and, and turn them into warm calls because there's something sitting in front of you that is contextually relevant. The problem we had was we couldn't do it at scale. We couldn't track any of it. We couldn't measure what was working. Um, so, so we built ReachLess because it was a problem that we faced. It was something that Got we it. were doing okay. day in and day out and we had to build a solution that, that actually worked for ourselves and that's where it started.
0: Great story. Okay. So you, you're actually sending physical mail and gifts at the other software as a service companies you were at and having this issue that you couldn't really measure it, didn't really know what the stats were or the data behind it. So you wanted to fix that and um, start something yourself. Cool. Okay. So Reach Desk has been going, has it been going since 2017? Is that right, Alex? We, we started in 2018. Okay, cool. And... So yeah, it's been going about two years now, which is great. And how was it to start with? Was it hard work in terms of bringing on staff, in terms of marketing, in terms of growing it to where it is now? Because I know you've got offices all, all over the world, right?
1: Yeah, the, the beginning of it is, is the most fun in, in some ways, right? Because you have nothing. You, literally, you, you, you barely have a product. I've always said, if you try and release a product into a market before it's ready, you've done it too late. So you've got to accept the first thing, that, that your product isn't polished, and, but you still have to sell it. Um and that to me is like the the biggest buzz ever because if you can sell a product at an early stage and get people to pay for you pay pay something for it, then the long term vision if you execute on it is 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 wholeheartedly valuable for your customer base um but yeah, it was really hard you 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 have to do all the things that you did in the early stages of your career um and pick up start picking up the phone again you have to walk the floor and go and start booking meetings yourself you have to do the meetings you have to do all the discovery and then the proposals and close it's an end-to-end process whilst raising money whilst interviewing people um so it's really tough and it's it's seven days a week 16 hour days for for six to nine months um but it's like the most satisfying thing because when you get those wins it's all worth it
0: Got it. And in terms of actually scaling the company up, um, how did you go about that, Alex? Because um, you mentioned investment. So, did you get investment initially, and was it just yourself and the other co-founder, or did you bring on staff straight away, or did that come after some time once you kind of managed to get revenue in?
1: Yeah, so it was it was myself and, our, and the co-founders at the beginning. Um, you know, testing the market, and re- making sure that we're asking the right questions first, and then we did sign a couple of customers before we hired our first employee. Um, but no, we we got we got we got hiring pretty fast um, we didn't take a lot of investment we still haven't actually we've kind of grown this organically in quite a bootstrap fashion uh, which means you've got to be uh, conscious of your budgets and what you spend it on um, but yeah we, we've sort of you know, we hit certain milestones in terms of revenue and uh, actually we're, we're at that point now where we're kind of really kicking on and, and making sure that we can um, fill up the wall chest a bit more so we can take it to the next level
0: Awesome, man. So, tell us a bit more about the marketing strategies that have been a success whilst you're at ReachDesk. So, of course, I know you're going to mention physical mail, so it'd be useful actually because some, we haven't really talked about account-based marketing much on the show. So, if you could share a bit more light like, on it about exactly what that is and how that works for everyone tuning in that doesn't understand it, um, and also any other channels, be it outbound or inbound, that you've had success with, it
1: would be great. Yeah, so it's at the beginning, pure outbound. Everything was outbound. Right, we we. We barely even had a website. It was kind of just one page. Um, Account-based marketing is really simple, right? The the, the traditional way of generating demand from a marketing perspective has been like a funnel approach where you fill as much at the top and it kind of filters down. You might have a thousand leads that you need to put in the top to close one deal. So it's a very much like traditional funnel where you kind of build awareness and get people to raise their hand and then eventually close a deal. Account-based marketing is where you flip that funnel. Uh, you have a really precise way of knowing who you're going after, who's your ideal customer profile, to, like your total addressable market, narrowing that down and actually saying, well, what, what are the best fit customers for us? Like, who are the ones that we should be going after? So that you have a really precise approach. And it works really well for outbound when you don't have um, a huge marketing team because you can create programs around the, the, the ideal customers for you and then focus everything on there so that you start by identifying with them uh, who they are you then expand within that, that customer base, who are the individuals and personas that you're actually gonna go after. Then you engage with them across multiple channels. And then what, what you're ultimately aiming for is advocacy, that you're aiming for them to give them such a great experience that they sell for you. And that's that's kind of the the four key steps of account-based marketing. I actually see it moving on um, from what, what I call ABM to ABX. So creating account-based yeah. experiences. How do you nice. make, create an amazing experience around everything? So down to the, the, the copy that's on the landing page that you're, that you're driving them to. How can you make it so personalised for them that you create such an amazing experience that that level of ag- advocacy enhances? And that's what we're working towards at the moment.
0: Brilliant, okay, so, so to begin, was it pretty much all outbound of using um, direct mail, direct unique gifts and offerings, and then connecting with this very pinpointed audience that you've worked up and persona that you targeted, and then putting them through the, through the funnel. Over time, did it change, Alex, to more digital? Was there
1: any inbound
0: kind of side of things that have worked for you guys?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, the, the inbound, first of all, came really interesting. I've never seen this before. We were using our own product as well, right? We were sending people physical gifts, saying, you know, would, would, this, would this be interesting for you? Um, you know, we, we don't say that it's, it's so noisy out there digitally that, that you should be stopping doing what you're doing. We're saying this channel can help elevate what you're doing. Um, but what we we're doing is we were sending people gifts, right? Uh, we were making them really relevant, uh, very personalized messaging. And what people started doing is posting it on LinkedIn. Ah, okay. Everyone started posting it on LinkedIn. So we had this, this free marketing channel all of a sudden, right? Because our prospects were saying, this is such an amazing experience. I feel so, so great about receiving this. So we started getting inbound to our website from, from, from that perspective because people were saying, I saw well, yeah, one of my, um, someone in my network has received something from you guys, never even heard of this before. Like, I'd like to see a demo. And then we started nice. investing more in like social, in the digital side of things, driving more people to our website from that perspective, but doing it really intelligently as part of like a holistic approach. So not just that, just silo it and just put loads of cash into that. If someone receives this, how can we um, target them really intelligently? So so our, all of our digital strategy has been a, a, in a very targeted, focused approach too.
0: Awesome. And that's, that's almost the ideal inbound that you can get because you're not really putting in a marketing budget. It's literally your prospects or your customers sharing the, um, how you've delighted them and with it, with their network in this case on LinkedIn and, um, then people seeing that and getting in touch direct. So that's, that's awesome. And is that the main strategies that you've utilized Alex or anything else you want to share with us that might be worth listening? All those, are the key ones,
1: yeah, well, look, we we are doing a lot more with um, with SEO, with sort of PPC, those side sort of things as well. Um, I've used strategies previously, and I'm starting to do them again now. Where you use uh, account-based advertising, so you actually okay. reverse IP, but again that, that that targeted list. Everything we do is, is is account-based, right? Pretty much everything that we do is account-based. So you can identify the list of customers that you want to go after. It might be three or four hundred, right? And then you can use certain tools to advertise specifically to those accounts, either on a one-to-one basis, like one to few, which might be 15 to 20, uh, or like one to many, which might be the rest of the pool. It might be like 150, but you can have really relevant ads that, that actually target those accounts so that when when people start clicking on them and start being driven to your website, you can follow up off the back of that interaction with the same message that you so that you have that continued story. And again, everything is contextual; it's relevant based on the advertising strategy. So you can get your outbound reps to follow up off the back of it um, and have a really consistent flow.
0: Great stuff. Sounds good. Okay, cool. So, in terms of your business so far, Alex, appreciate you started up back in twenty eighteen. Are there any particular highs or lows that you could share with us so perhaps we could start with any lows and how you work back from them
1: yeah at the beginning of a business the product breaks right um yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's it's a it's a SaaS company so things will break um I, I used to work with a CTO who used to sit down uh with, with our customers who, who would basically say that we want you to put something in a contract that will say this will never break and he'd just look at them and say is technology is going to break, right? So, Next joke. <laughs> <laughs> but like it, it's it, it, it's as simple as that, right? So the lows are always like, yeah, it's frustrating. Um, you know, we we have a couple of competitors. When you lose a deal to a competitor because you didn't quite get your your pitch right, you didn't ask the right questions, you're kind of fumbling in the dark a lot at the beginning. So we haven't had too many lows. Um, just the, the standard things that you'd expect. You know, you, you have to accept that you will will lose some deals. Uh, to um to your your competition but uh, aside from uh from things breaking every now and again there haven't been any particular problems we've faced so far
0: good news and any highs that you could share with us and how you got to this
1: signing your first customer is always the best feeling right it's uh when you when you get that first signature on paper you you know you're off to the races then you get to ten. And then you're like, wow, then you get to 50. So you you always set those milestones. The the, the biggest highs for me uh, are hiring people that that start to excel really quickly, right? Our first employee, uh, this guy called Ben, just, yeah, he'd actually, I don't think he'd ever done a day in sales previously. Uh, He he used to be a professional ice skater. We took a little bit of a risk with him. Next thing you know, he's probably one of the best BDRs I've, I've ever worked with. So the highs for me are around, building that like rockstar teams from nothing um, and kind of almost going against the grain a little bit and, and taking risks. With yeah. like if, when, when, you, when you get people like that, you just constantly kill it and excel uh, without you having to do too much. Those are the biggest highs for me.
0: That's interesting you should say that, Alex, because we've spoken to quite a few business owners on the show and the feedbacks, not always, but been a lot of people have said the same where they've brought in um, new, new sales guys that have not really got any experience, but they've turned out to be some of their best, sales reps or sales professionals purely because they've got the drive one um, secondly they don't think they know at all so they ask the, the silly questions which gets better answers from their prospects and in return gets them more deals and yeah they're just hungry and they've got more energy and they're, they're excited about what they're doing so yeah that's that's a great point okay um and just before we kind of wrap things up i know you guys have got an office in new york is that right we've got a team over there
1: yeah, so we've got a team over in New York. Um, we decided quite early on that, that we, we needed to be over in the US quite quickly. And that's basically because of our, our, our customers. You know, we were signing, we, we, we sell to mainly SaaS companies, uh, or, or particularly in the B2B space. And they will say, oh, this is great. This is all well and good. You, you're doing this for us in, in Europe, but we need you in the US. That's where we want to grow into. Now, I see. very few businesses go to the US really fast. Like it's, it's so risky. It's a big market. If you can correct the U S then they say that you're, you're kind of set up for, 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 the future. Um, so we decided to take a bit of a risk and actually we, we appointed our CEO out there. So, um, we all decided as the, as the co-founders that it would be better to have someone who's, uh, had a few more years under their belt. Um, and actually like hand the keys over to someone who can, can guide us too. And that's quite hard to do because, you know, a lot of people ask this about me. In fact, I almost get this every day. Like, it feels like you're giving giving away your baby a little bit, but it's actually the opposite. Like that that person can take way better care of your kid uh, because they've they've done it a lot more. So, yeah, we we set up in the US. Um, nearly half of our customer base is is, is US based now. Um, it's it's working really well, um, and it's it seems to be a a good risk that that's that paying off. So
0: was it a case of you you had customers that literally like you say, Alex, that saying look, we need a presence over in the US. So that's why that was the main driving force behind it, right?
1: At the beginning, yeah. It was our customers saying that we need you guys to have a service in the US because it's working so well in Europe. Like Cognizm, you mentioned um, earlier, they're a customer of ours and, and they're growing into the US and they were using us in Europe first. And um, and they said that we, we need you guys to be operational over there. So we put all of our product team and our operations side of things into making sure that we had at least the equivalent of what we've, what we've got over here in Europe. Um, and then the, the next territory we've recently moved into is Apex. so now we've got a global solution for businesses that want to execute on this globally.
0: Nice. Okay. So for any, um, anyone that's just started a business, Alex, or anyone that's thinking of starting up their own business, or there any um, pieces of advice that you could share with them on to help them be successful?
1: Yeah, I think for me, um, to, to be successful, I think you've got to really, you've got to love what you do. There's the, the, sort of this mentality that if that if you're successful, then you'll be happy. Actually, it's the other way around. If you're happy, you'll be successful. So if you're going to start a business, make sure it's something you're actually going to love. Like make sure it's something that, you're going to, that, that you truly believe in. Um, someone told me when I was starting uh, ReachDesk, they said the difference between the, the founders who who make it are the, are the ones that believe it till they become it rather than the ones that fake it till they make it. If you fake it till you make it, then you'll probably make mistakes and you probably won't push as hard as you possibly can when when times get tough but if you believe it and and you and you keep chipping away at it then then i think that from a mindset perspective that's often helped me because you know when it when it has got hard i kind of just remind myself of that and just make make sure that i'm my feet are on the ground and i believe what we're doing um don't put your life on hold like i've so I've got a six month old kid. Right? And I remember being worried about that and just being like, how am I going to do this when, when, when there's a baby in the background? I think you, you've got a little one on the way. Um, yeah, we do next month. Yeah. Right. it's, it's the best thing. Right. And, and you just balance things and you have to be honest with, uh, with, with those around you that yes, fine things are going to change, but, have the difficult conversations with, with, with your partner and, and whoever is in your life because you still have a business to run, but you can't just leave your life behind because that, that actually sucks the, sucks the joy out of things. So a lot for me is around mindset. It's around making sure that, that you still have your life and, and, and life goes on. Um, those are the two things that will get you through the, the tough times. The biggest thing for, for, for when you get past that really early stage and then you start hiring people is that you have to really like lead by example. So many people make this mistake. I'm going to hire people and they're going to do it for me. That's the worst thing you can do. You've still got to keep doing it. You've still got to show them that you can pick up the phone, that you can close the deals, particularly in an early stage company. Do not make the mistake of thinking, I can just hire them, train them, and they'll do it for me. You've got to, you've got to lead by example. Leads
0: us to a good point. So I completely agree with everything you've just said there. And like I said, I've I've just become a director and co-founder in our company, WebChoice. And I wouldn't do it unless I was passionate about it. I literally love digital marketing. I love sales and I love helping businesses grow. So I couldn't imagine being involved in a business, let alone become a director of something I wasn't passionate about. And Mm. I'm sure just like you, I wouldn't put in all the hours that I did if I wasn't crazy (laughs) and enjoyed doing it. It just doesn't make sense really, does it? To, to waste so much much of your time, much of your life, which leads us on to our next point. I understand that you've started, um, you've got yourself in the trenches, right, Alex? You've, um, you're doing a bit of um, sales yourself, right?
1: Yeah. Um, again, like, I think I've always said to people is, if, if if you don't know how to do it yourself, don't try and tell people how to do it. it goes back to my point before. You got to lead by example. These are really weird times for everyone, right? Like, that, that, uh, unless you work for zoom then then these <laughs> these, these these even zoom these these are, these are strange times right um, I was having a meeting last week with with uh, our bDr team, and they were coming to me for guidance as to, as to what they should really be doing because what what often a lot of businesses do is they'll have a tool that allows you to sequence contacts and they can go outbound and it's all like structured for you and that didn't seem to be working as well as before right. And I didn't know the answer, so I said the only thing that I can really do is actually get in the trenches with you. I'll start picking up the phone. I'll do those video messages through LinkedIn that will help like break through the noise. I'll 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 learn the way that you guys are so that I can actually hopefully point you in the right direction. And you know it's it's day three for me right now, but I booked my first meeting yesterday, so I'm I'm pretty happy about that. I used a totally different strategy than than I would have done this time last year, but yeah, I I, I like to put myself in the shoes of others so that I can help them push forward I think that also you know hopefully makes my team know that I really feel the pain they're going through it it helps them uh kind of it helps build trust I think but it also means that I I know what's going on in my business I know how to solve it um and and I can can get in there and, and give them give them the advice they need from having done it myself
0: yeah, I love that. And I bet your, your team are going to have a heck of a lot of more respect for you as well. Now you're, you're kind of experiencing their job and experiencing what they're going through. And at the same time, you can share advice with each other and kind of talk about what's working, what's not. So that's, no, that's awesome, man. OK. And Alex, are there any habits that you follow, any daily habits that you'd like to stick to or any habits that you think people should stick to in order to, to be successful in business?
1: I mean, in terms of being successful in business, there are a lot, There are tons of things you, you, you can do. My habit is actually is, is the opposite. It's like making a habit of of being honest with yourself about what you shouldn't be doing. I, I think the the guys who are really successful know when to say no. And, and every day I have it three times a day in the morning, lunchtime, in the evening. I have an alert that basically says to me, what should you not be doing right now? What are the things that are not... like. Creating value for the company and and your, and your employees, so my habit is actually around trying to make myself realize what I shouldn't be doing. I do the standard yeah. things that I you know I, I get running every day i I do like ten minutes of headspace to help me reset and, and meditate um, I spend a certain amount amount of time with my wife and, and and my son, but my biggest habit is actually around reminding myself what I shouldn't be doing.
0: That's good. I need that for when I'm scrolling on LinkedIn for about an hour every every
1: time I perhaps too tempting, <laughs> too tempting. Like, I I sometimes forget, like I I forget that LinkedIn is a hugely valuable asset where you know you can start engaging with people proactively. And yeah, yeah. I, might, I might have a prospect right now. That I, I did this yesterday. I had a prospect that I wanted to sort of send a message via LinkedIn. Next thing you know, I'm just trawling through all, yeah. all the things that people are saying on LinkedIn. And I've totally forgotten why I'm doing that. So yeah. maybe I should make it a habit to, to be laser focused and, uh, and not comment yeah. or, or anything like that and just go after what I need to. Same here, man.
0: Okay. Well, everyone, you've been tuning into Sam's Business Growth Show, where we sit down with business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. We find out their story, how digital marketing has helped along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your business. Alex, if you could thank just one person, either dead or alive, for having a positive influence on yourself, your career, who would that be and why? Jimi Hendrix, because his music keeps me going. Love that. Simple as. Awesome. Um, well, the show is sponsored by webchoiceuk.com, helping businesses skyrocket their leads, sales, and brand positioning via results-driven SEO, digital marketing, conversion-focused websites, and mobile apps. That's webchoiceuk.com. Just before we finish, Alex, what's the best way for people to get in touch with yourself? Tell us a quick snapshot of your company and
1: how people can reach out. Two ways to get in touch with me. One, send me a note in the post. Um, the other way, get me on LinkedIn, um, but I think those are the, the, the two ways. Connect with you on LinkedIn. Make sure you send me a message while you're getting in touch because I get a ton of them. Um, but, yeah, in terms of, like, a, a snapshot of the business, like, we're, we're, we're really simple, right? We help you break through the noise right now uh, using physical direct mail and gifting.
0: Awesome, man. It's been a pleasure. Cheers, Alex.
1: Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me, mate. Are you tired of
0: constantly hunting for new customers? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending lots of money on advertising, but your website is failing to convert all of your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of new customers. If you'd like to learn more about our unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you, connect with Sam Dunning on LinkedIn, or book a free 20-minute consultation via webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Subscribe today for more digital marketing, sales and business growth tips from the experts.